Hello, and welcome back to There Was an Idea, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. I'm your host, TK, a teacher and pop culture enthusiast. In this episode, it's still you, bruv. I share some thoughts on the big ideas of Moon Knight Episode 2, Summon the Suit. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can follow me for updates and behind-the-scenes extras at anidea underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And please consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also support the podcast by purchasing There Was an Idea merchandise from Spring. The link is in the show notes. Enjoy the episode. Today, I will be reflecting on the big ideas from Moon Knight Episode 2. Once again, I am solo for this episode, but thanks for tuning in to hear some of my thoughts. This will likely be a shorter episode this week as I am preparing for a couple of other upcoming podcast appearances. Looking forward to sharing those with you once they are available. And I'm also preparing for the Pop Culture Association Conference, which I learned about and became a member of after many discussions with the folks over at the Vox podcast, Mav and Hannah and Ween, all people who have been on this podcast a number of times. And I've had the honor of appearing on the Vox podcast and talking with them on their show a few times as well. And they very kindly encouraged me to get involved with that organization. And it is a virtual conference this year at which I will be presenting a, a paper. I will be presenting some thoughts on, well, you know, I'm thinking I should do an episode here in which I talk more in depth about my presentation. I will be talking mostly about the film Eternals, specifically through the lens of the superhero as a figure in pop culture, similar to the heroes of myth and legend, and the nature of the relationship between the characters created by Jack Kirby and their source inspiration, Greek and Roman gods, and then the ways in which those characters inspire legends within, within their world. So preparing for that, looking forward to having that experience. And I am looking forward to having some guests join me here later on in the run of Moon Knight to dig into this show a little bit more and get some different perspectives on it. I still have a couple of slots available. So if you are interested in appearing on the podcast to talk about Moon Knight in any capacity, if you have an interesting angle that you think you could bring to the conversation, or you're just really enjoying the show and would like to talk to me, please feel free to reach out. And do also reach out to me if, if you have some deeper knowledge on Egyptian mythology, if you have some deeper knowledge on disassociative identity disorders, because these are interesting and valuable lenses to bring to the conversation of this show. So transitioning into Moon Knight episode two, if you heard my take on episode one, my feelings on the show are pretty consistent with where they were at after episode one. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I definitely recommend checking that out first. In that one, I explained a little bit about my uh, background familiarity or lack thereof with the character of Moon Knight and talked a little bit about what I was expecting and how the first episode lived up to those expectations. I really enjoyed episode one, and I also really enjoyed episode two, where episode one is introducing us to a new character and a new corner of the MCU, and doing so very effectively, in my opinion, through the POV character of Stephen Grant, through his confusion, this sense of us being kind of thrown around and losing time and not being sure what's going on. Episode two provides some more answers both for us and for Stephen within the narrative of the episode. In that way, I think it was a very compelling second episode, a very strong second episode. We were getting answers without it feeling super exposition heavy. There was still that balance of 
humor and action in a familiar way, a way that we're familiar with in the MCU, I should say, and also flirting with some of that darker tone. That's the element of the show that I still have the biggest question mark around is it, it seems pretty clear that this is not delving deeply into the horror element uh, of the MCU, which we've yet to see clearly, but it does dabble in some darker themes or dabbles in some themes in a darker way than we've seen before. And I'll expand on what I mean by that a little bit when I talk about more of this episode specifically in depth. And there's some imagery as well that is frightening. We've, we've seen some frightening images in the MCU in the past, but I will say I think that in Moon Knight we have gotten we've gotten a few moments that that do feel more on that darker side. Like I mentioned, when Stephen gets a flash of this dead body in the back of the van with the gunshot wound in his head in episode one, and then in this episode we have the scenes in the storage facility with the flashing lights and the aggressive sounds and the glimpses of Conchu down the hallway and then all of a sudden he's closer and Steven running. I liked the spooky atmosphere that that created. In trying to think if there were any surprises in this episode, I think what I keep coming back to is not necessarily related to this episode specifically, but and it's not also not necessarily a surprise, but it's a, a question on my mind. And it's one that I wholeheartedly support the show's decision to do it this way because I already spoke last week about how effective it was. But the fact that Steven is our POV character for these first two episodes and not Mark, and I'm wondering if moving into the third episode now, it seems like Mark would be more of our POV character based on what happens at the end of episode two. But the question that I have, and if there are any folks listening who are more familiar with the comics, please feel free to reach out to me and let me know, is in the comics, and I know there have been many of them, is Mark the point of view character? Because they could have gone in that direction of setting the audience up to ally ourselves with Mark and Mark's story. It, there's certainly more to be told there. And there's enough questions that are raised and en enough little bits of information that are brought up in episode two that it leaves us curious, specifically thinking about Kanchu saying to him, you know, you were nothing more than a corpse when I found you. So there's obviously information there that we are going to be able to dig into more. And just thinking about it, that's a different way the show could have gone is with making Mark the character who we get to know and really and really uh, fall for in the first couple episodes. As it stands, I appreciate the fact that it's Steven for all of the reasons I mentioned last week about how Steven's idiosyncrasies really allow us to connect with him right off the bat and his kindness and this sense of almost innocence and purity that he has make us feel protective of him. Whereas being introduced to, you know, a hardened mercenary uh, right off the gate maybe would have felt a little bit different. Although clearly there's much more to dig into with Mark in finding out exactly what the um, the relationship between him in his servitude to Kanchu, what that really means, what was his relationship like to Layla, what were the circumstances that brought him to being in this condition. And so that's just something that's been on my mind. But as I said, I think it's incredibly effective that Stephen is our is our perspective character here. So thinking about the big ideas, thinking about the themes, we see this week that the world is continuing to build on the use of reflections as a technique to allow Stephen and Mark to interact with one another, but also as a 
thematic device for us to understand to understand the nature of identity and conflict in this story. So the big idea, the big there was an idea that I identified last week being identity, and and certainly this show is so much an identity story. But I'm also noticing in this week's episode some other concepts coming up, such as justice and vengeance, and that's intriguing to me. Obviously, Kanshu and Amit are gods that represent justice in different ways or have different conceptions of justice. Arthur Harrow and Stephen have different ideas about what justice means. Mark is somewhere in that spectrum as well. And and Mark is referred to as Conchu's fist of vengeance in this episode. And that just got me thinking a little bit more too. You know, vengeance obviously is a word that brings up connotations of Batman. And obviously Batman was a recent topic of discussion on this podcast and many others with the latest film that's out. And in that story, the Batman, I guess, spoilers for the Batman, if you haven't yet seen the Batman for the next 30 seconds. But in that story, the Batman, we get this character arc of uh, Bruce Wayne's character deciding to not identify himself with vengeance anymore once he sees other people in Gotham have appropriated that idea into something that he doesn't stand for. So like with Batman, this question of what is the difference, where is the line between the hero and the villain and what is the line between justice and vengeance is an interesting one. We're also in a world here where our main heroes are known as the Avengers, which remains, at least in my world and the people that I've spent time talking to on the podcast, it remains an underexplored avenue for discussion as to does that name really fit for the, the heroes that we know and love in the MCU? So maybe that's a conversation for another day. But just another thing that I'm going to keep in the back of my head as we go through the rest of this Moon Knight series, thinking about what the show is saying about justice and about vengeance and how those concepts relate to the overarching identity story for Steven here and for Mark. So thinking about some standout moments from the episode, I'm struck by those that connect to these themes, some of the imagery and some of the dialogue that illuminate these ideas about reflections and about justice. And there's also some key moments in the episode that really clue us in to some of the background story here and where we might be going next. One of the first ones that stands out to me is in the beginning of the episode after Stephen has unfortunately been fired from his job working in the gift shop at the museum because of the damage done to the bathrooms at the end of the last episode. And there's that great image of Mark staring at the security camera back at Stephen with this look on his face that's just so different than the looks that Stephen gives, even though it's the same actor and it's the same face, which is really great. But the moment that really stands out to me is when the HR representative asks him to hand over any museum property that he might have, and he has to give up his name tag that says Stephen. And the way the camera moves onto the name tag and Stephen places it on the table, and we get this great camera angle and this great focus. We see the name Stephen, and we see Stephen's reflection upside down in the glass of the table. Maybe we could argue it's a little bit heavy-handed in terms of the thematic nature of it here, but I like this moment. There is this sense of him giving up Stephen, giving up a part of his identity. He is handing over this symbol of that right now in this moment. And what we've seen so far of this character is very much about him, is very much about him losing himself 
in different ways, losing this identity that he thought was so central to him. The identity of a gift shopist is something that even later in this episode he brings up again. It's what he thought of himself as, giving up the name tag, he's giving up that. But really focusing even on the name Stephen, he is handing over the identity of Stephen and there's something else that he is stepping into. So I thought that was really, really well done. A great little moment in here in which Stephen once again visits his friend, the living statue. And this time the man who is the living statue moves his eyes a little bit. So I'm wondering if if we are going to see more scenes between these two and maybe get some payoff with the living statue character later on. I mentioned the storage locker scene, very spooky. I love he steps into the storage locker, which is set up as a bunker of sorts, and he sees all of Mark's stuff, Mark's passport, the gun, the money, the scarab. I've never been in a storage locker that has reflective walls like this, but we, of course, have the reflective walls here. So he begins talking to Mark. He's asking, am I possessed? Are you like a demon? These are all the questions, of course, that audience members have as well. So once again, Steven being our POV character here. I love the line, I don't care how bloody handsome you are. That's great. Tell me what you are, what are you? Interesting the way that Steven asks, what are you, as opposed to who are you? This sense of, um, you know, he later on he refers to Mark as a parasite, like it's this thing, like it's this demon, like it's this force of some kind detached from another person, a who, a Mark. This is, of course, when Mark says that he's Khonshu's avatar. We heard the term avatar be introduced last week. Mark says that it's his job to protect the vulnerable and deliver Khonshu's justice to those who hurt them. This is also when he says that the deal that he has with Khonshu is contingent on Stephen not interfering. And then, of course, we get the spooky scene with the lights flickering in the hallway and Khonshu appearing and disappearing. That leads us to Stephen's meet-cute of sorts with Layla the woman on the phone last week. We find out, of course, that Layla is Mark's wife. So once again, you know, it's an episode two. We're getting some more questions answered. We're getting some more background information. But overall, as I mentioned, I think the episode keeps the pace up very nicely. We learn some straightforward things such as Layla is Mark's wife. But then in a question that she asks him, like, is Stephen the latest fake identity for you? We also get an insight into maybe what's been going on with Mark for a while. Are there other identities in the body of Mark and Stephen, or has Mark in the past pretended to be different people in different ways because she refers to him as a fake identity. So that must be really hard for our guy Stephen to hear, but that's something for us to keep an eye out for. I'm curious about this idea that Layla and Stephen have have the same favorite French poet in common, and they clearly have other things in common too, as well as, you know, they're, they're geeking out over hieroglyphs together and things like this. He seems to have a liking for her right away when he says, I'd never divorce you. So what is this connection between Stephen and Layla? Is this, um, is this coincidence that they're into the same stuff, or does it have something to do with Mark as well? I suppose we shall find out. Another standout scene, Stephen's conversation with Arthur Harrow. Arthur brings us to this neighborhood in London that he said was once a hotbed of crime and now appears to be this very utopian community in which people are learning each other's language and teaching each other and eating food together. And these all feel like red flags. But the conversation between Arthur and Stephen is very illuminating. Arthur says, it must be very difficult having all of those voices in one head. Do you think Khonshu chose you 
to be his avatar because your mind would be so easy to break or because it was broken already? An excellent question that I was speaking to in last week's episode. Is this character's disassociative identity disorder something that he already had pre-Khonshu or is this something that Khonshu's presence caused? And Stephen also has a great answer to Arthur Harrow's inquiry here when he says, no, I'm not broken. And this is really important as well. We have Stephen asserting his identity as lost as he may be, as much as he's had to be, as much as he's had to give up. We have these great moments of Stephen asserting who he is and asserting what he's not and saying, I'm not broken. Arthur Harrow tells us that Kanchu tries to ensnare those with a strong moral conscience. Certainly, it seems like Stephen is someone with a strong moral conscience. We get a lot of that in the conversation he has here when he talks about Amit's judging innocent people and children. You're all into that, like killing children in that? We also learn more about Kanchu from Arthur Harrow, who says that none of the gods respect him and he was banished. And from Arthur Harrow's perspective, now, we also learn that Arthur Harrow used to be his avatar. I was his fist of vengeance. We don't know what happened in the breakup between those two, but it certainly seems as if Arthur Harrow now identifies his approach to justice as being superior to Kanchu's, or I should say Amit's, as being superior to Kanchu, uh, Amit, who he now serves. He says that Kanchu only punishes those who've already done harm. Now, Kanchu is also here speaking to Steven and saying, no, I am real justice. I love Steven's line, I'm not the fist of anything. That's the little American man living inside me. Great. There are bits of humor in here I think were effective. It was enough to break some of the tension, but not in a way that felt totally divorced from or, or disrespectful to the tone of the scene. We learn in terms of some important plot stuff, we learn that the scarab is like a compass that leads to Amit's tomb. So that is good for us to know. And we're also now here, you know, like I said, we're thinking about these different approaches to justice. Arthur Harrow tells us that Khonshu is a liar and it's making us question exactly what Khonshu's deal is too. Is Khonshu, to what extent is Khonshu really all that different from Amit? And it seems like Khonshu is a better alternative to Amit, but we don't actually fully know yet if Khonshu is really like on the team that we're rooting for. And frankly, is Mark on the team that we're rooting for after we see what he does to Steven at the end of this episode? And I like that about this show. Clearly, Steven is our good guy. Steven is our protagonist, our POV character. But all of the stuff that surrounds him, we still have some question marks uh, in terms of the gray, the gray area. And that's very compelling. When everyone is yelling at Steven to summon the suit, it seems he summons the wrong suit, which is what's known as the Mr. Knight suit in the promotional materials which is very cool looking. There's a little bit of humor in in Steven in the Mr. Knight suit landing in the superhero pose and then immediately falling over. Feels consistent with uh, the recent jokes that the MCU has made at its own expense in terms of superhero posing. Somehow this suit makes Steven even goofier. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. My name is Steven with a V. Very silly, but cute. And I liked this whole action bit with Steven in the Mr. Knight suit and then of course Mark and then, of course, Mark in the Moon Knight suit for the action scene. And that really dark moment when Mark and Steven are communicating through a mirror. Mark tells us that there's been this wall between him. The one who controls the body has become, has become stronger. Steven says that Mark has eaten away his life and lists all of the things he can't do because of Mark. 
And Mark destroys the mirror quite violently, which obviously feels like a way of rejecting Stephen in this moment, and also feels like this manifestation of whatever shame or guilt or anger he's been feeling toward himself. Because he certainly seems like he has that. There's this little moment earlier in the episode when Stephen is talking to Layla and he says something about how that Mark seems like a right twit. And there's this flash we get over to the mirror and we see Mark just kind of like shake his head in defeat as if he feels bad, as if he feels guilt related to whatever this is that he's gotten himself a part of and whatever it is that he's dragged and whatever it is that he's gotten Layla into. And it certainly seems like he he has a lot of shame related to that. So that image of destroying the mirror is, is, is powerful there. Conchu tells Mark, you were nothing more than a corpse when I found you. We'll pick up with more of that next time, I hope. And also says that he's worth protecting. And then we see Mark in Egypt and Stephen in the mirror as well. Stephen, who is now trapped. So thinking about next week, are we going to see a shift into Mark's POV here? And Stephen is going to be who he's communicating with in the mirror. How are these two going to work it out? Are they going to work it out? What's the balance that we're going to see moving forward? Are we going to stay in Egypt for a little while? These are all questions for next week. And I, for one, am very much looking forward to seeing where the show goes next. And if you enjoyed this reflection on episode two of Moon Knight, you can follow the podcast for updates and behind the scenes extras at an idea underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Artwork by Brooke Pender and music by Demeter Salvia. You can find their links in the show notes. Thank you for listening and stay tuned next week for some thoughts on episode three of Moon Knight. <laughs>